Grüezi miteinander, das ist die Sprachwerkstatt, der Podcast über konstruierte Sprachen und die Leute, die dieser Gattung machen. Welcome to ConLiger, the podcast about constructed languages and people who create them. I'm George Corley. Uh, with me down the road a ways is William Annis. Hello. And over in Maine, we have Mike Lentine. Hello. How are you guys doing? Just doing well. Dandy. <laughs> How are you? Fine, <laughs> Dandy. Uh, William was, um, was, was regaling us with his, with his issues with the word boyfriend. Just... Maybe we should, um... We should maybe we should uh, we should put out to conlangers to put out what their words and their languages are for like the equivalent relationship someone that you're dating you're not uh, you're not quite that serious with yet right 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 so are you saying a song like do you like them like them or just like them right right so ah uh, yes expressive reduplication um, <laughs> I mean. I am certainly not the first person to observe this. Other people have talked about it. I've heard it on the radio. Um, I don't like calling necessarily the guy I'm dating my boyfriend because I'm in my 40s, not a teenage <laughs> girl. He's not a boy. But, I mean, most people don't even stop to think about it, so that's just my language obsession. But there's no good words. I briefly have been trying to resuscitate consort, but he was having none of that. But, you know, we're conlangers. We make up words. We so. make up words. And we can make up all sorts of words, but we have to get people to adopt them. <laughs> Tell mm. us what you what you call this this type of relationship in your conlang. Yeah, that'd be good if you have. be fun. But actually today we're not going to be talking about that. <laughs> we are talking about, this is a featured conlang today. Uh, we are going to talk about Himaswa. Um, so... Himaswa, well, it's developed by um, a guy who goes by someone who goes by the name Clawgrip on ZBB, mm -hmm. and um, I don't have a, a, another name for this person. I don't even know if it's a guy or a girl. Actually, yeah, who knows? I think it's a guy, but I'm not sure. This individual, yes, it's common. But anyway, uh, I'm actually the one who put it on the list. Um, normally, I am known for disliking invented scripts, but I like his quite a lot. It's it's okay. it's obviously yeah. inspired by um, sort of seal script style Chinese, in my opinion, and yet is still different enough to make it interesting and not merely a copy of that. So that's how it got on the list. And there's some interesting grammatical stuff going on. Yeah, um, that is actually an interesting thing. I've seen his script before. It's one of the scripts that will appear on the header randomly. Mm -hmm. And when you see it, you'll know that you'll, you'll recognize it immediately because it does have a very Chinese aesthetic. And looking at the script is called Fkishwa. If I pronounce that anywhere close to right. I think you need to open that a little bit. That's okay. Yeah, I think a little louder. <laughs> whatever. Fkuswa. What really troubles me is the F followed by an aspirated K. But uh, anyway, this is uh, really interesting. It does look like it's very much inspired by the structure of Chinese writing as well. And that you have the... Um, the phonetic, the phonosemantic compounds, compounding 
characters or combined characters mm-hmm. with a semantic component and a phonetic component to give you an idea of how to pronounce things. Um, but it's still different enough that it's uh, interesting. One thing about um, logographic scripts that, like, one reason I've thought I I don't really do scripts that much, but I've never really even considered doing a logographic script because it just seems like it adds that much more work, a lot more work to right. what you're doing. Yeah. Um, this language appears to have a very long history. Mm-hmm. Um. I, I don't have the link, but somewhere on the ZBB forum, there was mention of work on this language happening in 1999. Wow. So yeah. that helps. And I don't know if he started off with the script right away or just his um, funky romanization system or, or what. I don't remember that offhand, but the language has a long history. So I think if you're going to go with a logographic writing system, don't be in a rush. <laughs> yeah, don't don't imagine you're going to get great results quickly. Well, you it's going to be something that you build as you go. And um, building upon the s- similar principles to Chinese, I think, is is useful for that because um, one thing about that kind of system is it's completely open-ended. Yep. Mm-hmm. So you, could ju- you can coin characters as you go along. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although, you know, depending on how realistic you want to be, you may have, like, your issues of... Um, at what point in history do I want this phonetic uh, component to actually make any sense? Because mm-hmm. uh, obviously, as I've said before, with the thing with Chinese is some of these characters are three thousand years old, and the phonetics don't make any sense anymore. Uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll have to. <laughs> I, I hesitate to say they don't make sense. They're just the mapping is not always clear. It's it's drifted apart. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. it's it's always approximate in the first place anyway. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's it drifts away over time. I mean, um, one, one thing also like Chinese, although it's more complex, is um, over time he settled on a collection of stroke types mm-hmm. that are all combined together to produce the characters, and those deviate in some pretty significant ways from how Chinese is written, which is one of the things that helps to. Yeah, distinguish it, the appearance from just straight up seal script is this breakdown of uh, six basic stroke types with multiple sort of subtypes within them. Yeah, it gives it gives it an extra character, and um, I think really pay, uh, a good thing to de- think about when thinking about the aesthetics of your writing system is to consider the strokes that are used. Um, it's probably more useful in a um, in in logographic strip because in an alphabetic strip you just have straight up a limited number of system symbols anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, like if you look at um, you know the Roman alphabet, really depending on your style, it's generally just a very limited set of strokes that are being used. Uh, once you when you try to break down the the uh, individual letters, so um, and I think that's would be true about of about any language. They all end up with their aesthetic probably deriving from the implements used in writing and and other yeah. such things. And what's easiest to write given a certain implement or a certain technique. Yep. Yeah. Um. So. 
getting more into the language itself, um, I don't know. I looked at, he has a good deal of phonology stuff, um, lots of vowels and lots of uh, super segmentals on vowels. He has modal and creaky voice on all vowels. And, and on two sets. Yeah. And um, and it's he just has a giant chart of different vowels. I like uh, the way he laid that out. Um, oh, and I forgot we have the the Rhotic series as well. Yeah, he has a there's a Rhotic series. Uh, there's long uh, fronting, which is like um, diphthong. Yeah, there's there's three types of diphthongs. There's uh, fronting, centering, and backing. Basically. Um, the off glide in the first is, is a, yeah, off glide is a, a, like a schwa glide. And on the backing, the, the off glide is a, a W sound. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. So it, you see a lot of diphthongs here and he also has, uh, a couple of triptongs and mm-hmm. I'm not sure exactly how he, uh, he's associating each of these, associating these with um vowels in a particular way but there's weird like the the modal version of the fronting under the ah actually become becomes an ash so you have i right right yeah but the creaky it remains ah it's i that's a an interesting bit and he has a lot of it looks like um interesting sort of it seems natural looking to have some some of these holes in the thing. I I'd have to really look at it much more carefully to see. And he also has a, a giant chart of legal onsets. Sure. One interesting yeah. thing about the breathy voice series mm-hmm. for the short vowels is it looks like there must be some conception that historically um, that's coming from a coda H first because in his romanization it's indicated with a coda H. Second of all, some of the vowels, um, in addition to having breathy voice, have a, a fricative off glide. Oh, uh, yeah. So after I, it beca- you have, uh, I can't even say it, ich. Ich. You have the, the ich laut at the end ich. of the two front vowels. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah a and yeah. I. Ich and ich. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, um, I could see that. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that makes sense. That's interesting. Um, Nothing, nothing so much coming, f- happening like that was from the creaky, though, though he may have a, a historical, um, motivation for the creaky voice as well. Um, creaky doesn't show up too much. Uh, I like these big charts because you see the gaps very easily. Yeah. Um, yeah. it's, it's interesting to see, um, see gaps in his, the, the available onsets. Uh, it looks like there's, you know, the very common nasal assimilation going on a little bit. No, actually, no, there's not nasal assimilation going on. I was lying. Yeah, I was surprised by that a little bit, but it's not impossible. Mm-hmm. You, you, there's actually like a nice little block of every nasal goes with every stop and affricate, it looks like. So that's interesting. But you, nasals don't combine with each other. Nasals don't combine with fricatives. Or glides. Or resonance, yeah. Yeah, so that's that's an interesting uh, thing that you can... When you have this chart that shows the... Uh, it th- They do combine with L, but that's which is a random thing. So 
when you have this chart, you can see, okay, what? There's this giant hole in the chart. Why is that? Yes. Oh. What happened here? So there's a there there's all sorts of things and um uh H L and the glides are all very um uh restricted in, as far as being initials uh in of a um an onset cluster. So it's it's just interesting to see the, the all the different things and the, the fact that he organized his phonotactics into a chart helps helps to see, you know, all these little oddities in the language. Uh this must have been murder if he if he tried to program this into awkwards. <laughs> yeah, uh, I would guess that did not happen because it's, yeah. it's, it's a pretty complicated system. I will confess that some of these clusters I have no idea how to pronounce, so I'm a little disappointed we couldn't um, schedule it to have the inventor on because some of these things I would love to have demonstrated for me. Yeah, how how do you do uh, WB as an in- initial cluster? I have no idea. Wow, wow. I don't know. Yeah, me either. Mm. That's fine. Whatever. Um, uh, uh, associated, um, you can have, uh, monosyllabic words, but there are plenty of bisyllabic words. Um, and there are various rules for stress. In addition to stress, there is tone, which is determined entirely by the vowel type. So it's perfectly predictable. Okay. So maybe the beginnings of a tone system or yes. something. And it makes, as you might expect, many of the diphthongs are the places where the contour tones happen. Hmm. Okay. Um, and, and weird phonation types uh, cause a tone change as well. So breathy voice or creaky voice or rhoticism change these as well, which is all pretty expected. It's a little bit weird to say this vowel always has a high tone and this vowel always has a rising tone, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, just sort of looking down through further things. Yeah, that is a little unusual that the the tone is completely predictable from the vowel. Yeah. Um. I would almost expect like there to start to be some tone spreading that would start to eliminate that, but I don't know. Um, uh, there's a, uh, so there is lexical stress, um, but there is also prosodic stress patterns, which he doesn't really go into that much. Uh, trying to think of, I don't know. What else did you guys find interesting? Maybe we could move on from uh, the phonology, from the phonology, and look at some other things. I'm yep. sort of scanning through the morphology parts now. Yep. Um, in general, the language has isolating and analytic tendencies, as mm-hmm. George hinted at. Mm-hmm. Um, just from the standpoint of the nouns, they have no marking for gender or number. There is an optional plural marker, which is related to the verb meaning to be numerous. Oh, that's interesting. What's interesting is, though, it can also be used as an associative plural. So if you, you know, say George and this name, then it means George and then the people with him. Oh, uh, yeah. That's that's a, a useful thing, I think. It is a useful thing. I'm surprised that it has the same word shape as the standard word meaning many, but that's okay. I, I think I have heard that happen of that happening in other languages, okay. where right. not not the not that it has the same word shape as meaning many, but that it has the same word shape as a plural, as marker. A plural marker. Okay, all right, maybe. Uh, I'd have to look up to see what language yeah, that. I didn't think to go look that up before we started. There's a 
there's a third person predicative uh pronoun i'm trying to think figure out what exactly uh is that um like for predicate like subject versus predicate or is that predicative yes. like okay yeah it has to so do it's with, not like, it has to do with the how the third person pronoun is used to prop up relative clauses mm-hmm. um he says mm. so the addition is is this additional third kind of third this additional kind of third person pronoun is necessary for clarity I mean, he even gives a, a, a dodge etymology of what it might be and what might lead to the form. Mm-hmm. Um, the, again, very standard pronouns for language like this is you have, they basically act like nouns in almost every way. Um, and there are some, a, a, a large number, well, not a large number. There's more than one first person pronoun, for example. You have archaic and dialect forms. Um, and these become interesting because you can, in conlangs that do this, you can just have great fun coming up with all sorts of pronouns. This one seems pretty restrained. Mm-hmm. George is growling. Yeah. Relative clauses look fairly standard. There's an optional relative pronoun. There's not too much going on with... Um... Oh, this is interesting. Archaic or dialectal pronouns. There are a few pronouns which are now archaic or appear only in dialects or formal language mm-hmm. so there's uh i don't think how far okay there were some of these were okay so the ones that are current the quite dual 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 uh cone and yeah i'm probably butchering those were originally topic pronouns he says and Aing, Guai, Tui, and Ni were their non-topic equivalents. And then the distinction was lost. So that's an interesting thing that, uh, that these, these obsolete pronouns still appear in certain dialects or informal language. This is right. So some yeah. dialects decided to go with the topic pronouns everywhere and others decided to go with the non-topic everywhere, which is a very common sort of split to have happen. So, yeah, the, mm-hmm. that could, that could, that, that makes sense as something, you know, realistic that could happen to a language. Yeah. Um, uh, I think, um, actually that happened with Spanish in, in second person a lot. So, there's there's many different thing different ways to to different um, uh, conventions on second person pronouns that I won't get into. Three way demonstratives. Yeah, there's um, this that and that over there basically. Yonder. Yeah, like that Spanish has the same kind of, and I think actually a lot of languages have that. Japanese. Yeah, plenty plenty of languages. Yeah, Japanese does Spanish does. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chinese is just two way. I don't know. I, I just randomly think of Chinese all the time anyway, but, um, yeah. I think Tagalog has the three way, so, um, so and. Go ahead. Uh, no, you go ahead. Well, I was about to jump to the verbs, so if we have anything else left to say. Yes, the verbs are kind of where my brain was like, whoa. I like the verbs. Yes. Okay. Let's, let's, let's talk about the verbs here. So, they obviously, it's a, isolating analytic language so there's not a lot of inflection so you use helping verbs of various sorts um and post and pre mm-hmm. particles what's interesting is that there's a semantic distinction between dynamic 
perfect and stative verbs, and they yeah. interact with the auxiliaries in different ways. Um, so this is a really nice touch of hair-raising and complicating realism. <laughs> or naturalism in the language. <laughs> Um, so, for example, the dynamic verbs contain no inherent aspect. They may be placed freely into perfect or imperfect aspect or any other. Um, uh-huh. Whereas perfect verbs contain an inherent perfect aspect and state of verbs are con- an inherent continuous aspect. Um, and the, the state of verbs look like what normally state of verbs are. Things like um, adjectival predicates sort of sure. things like be read. Or be the same. But also um, things like but, own or possess. But also own or possess. That's an interesting one. Um, there's also speak, converse, uh, tying, which uh, is as opposed to the dynamic uh, hit, uh, speak, say. So that's an interesting thing that you have. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, an opposition between have and hold and own and possess. That may be why there's a dynamic and a stative with that similar meaning. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that you can see that some of them have, um, not all of them, some have ties in terms of, like, the ortho- 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 orthographic representation. Like, the tying mm-hmm. has that same top part, I think, might be a reduced form of it. Um, it looks like there's also possibly a derivational way to turn stative into perfect. There's um, mm-hmm. ket and then... Uh, What's the J? Is it Jung J? J is a J. Okay, so you have Ket and then Jung Ket, uh, Jung Ket, which means become red, where Ket is just to be be red. Right. Mm-hmm. And once it's been changed that way, you can use other sort of aspectual auxiliaries with it. So, mm-hmm. ways to get around these issues. Yeah, of course. There's all sorts of so. There's all the so. There's. Mm, Oh, there's an affirmative um, auxiliary. So you used to stress the truthfulness of the proposition. Expresses a meaning similar to yes or indeed, or the English auxiliary do and added to affirmative statements. This reminds me of Spanish C si when you say, uh, uh, yo si lo, lo digo, I did say it. Well, in English, you put a dummy do, but... Uh, here in Himaswa, we have this ah or ak, which is an affirmative, uh, affirmative, um, emphatic marker. Um, <laughs> not emphatic. I know. I was just saying I that. Think, I think, um, he did, doesn't give much information about how, um, how to use this, but, uh, given the way he talks about it, I think it would be something you would use for a tr- contrastic focus thing, uh, or a contrastive thing. Uh, similar to what in English we do with do is right. I did do that uh, is uh, contrasting against someone saying that you didn't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's also a negative, of course. There's a bunch of uh, perfect, imperfect, and there's modals uh, used to indicate events that are likely to occur. Uh, he has a whole bunch of different yeah. modal auxiliaries. Um, he obviously had I'd, fun with these. Yeah, I'd kind of like to see some examples of these used. Does he have too. texts at the end? or He's done some texts, and uh, on the forum various things occur, but yeah, it would be nice to see more examples of some of these close to their site of explanation. I mean, there are plenty of examples where these um, auxiliaries are used, but it'd be nice to see them a little bit close to their definition. Yeah, just, just convenience. Because I think that 
you know, any sort of aspectual or modal thing or even case or any of these little things where you have different categories, mm-hmm. uh, it's useful to have examples of how they're used because they're, they often differ slightly from language to language. What's uh, nice about the auxiliaries is while most of them are post-verbal, there are a few that come before, so it's not this perfectly regular system. Yeah, which I mean, does, if you look at a language like Thai or Lao, which does a lot of this as well, you just never know where the auxiliary is going to go. It might not be near the verb at all. Sometimes it might drift off to the end of the clause. <laughs> yeah, and he has he has this nice chart of what uh, what it means when you attach these uh, different uh, some of these different aspects to different types of verbs. Yep, that's interesting to see uh, how how that works out. Um, the copula is derived from a compound. That's interesting. Uh, of two different copulas that used to exist. Um, that's a, um, an interesting way to derive it. Um, basic copulas still remain in certain set phrases and compounds, such as F note. I'm royally butchering everything that I say in this language because I have no idea what I'm doing. Junkyup, uh, junkyup, and uh, and I also uses auxiliary verbs as outlined above. Okay, so it's a very common behavior as well. Um, yeah, I remember somewhere on the forum he apologized for his romanization system. Um, he, you know, it's like I didn't know better, but I'm not changing it now because I'm used to it. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 sort of set now. Yeah, and that's fine. <laughs> it's it's not very intuitive, but uh, you know, eh, it's not. But I don't think it's obviously insane either. I mean, considering what other people have done to try to make you know to romanize Thai or Lao. Yeah. Some of the choices made here remind me of that, which may have been in the either the back well, or the front of his mind when this happened. I will give him some benefit of doubt in that he has an awful lot of vowels. He does have a lot of And it is very hard to make yeah. a good romanization with lots of vowels. It's something that I'm going to be struggling with soon as I'm developing Pahran, because it doesn't even have this many vowels. It just has nine simple vowels and no real diphthongs because glides are consonants, but I'm not sure how I'm going to represent all of those vowels. So, and he has so many more vowels than that. He has all these diphthongs and thrift songs and the, the, uh, the, the voicing differences and all that. So when I saw Uh, it, it made me think of, um, kind of like Korean, the romanization of Korean. Sometimes they use two vowels as digraph to show. Yeah. Yeah. That's 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 one tactic that you can use. It's basically yeah. Basically if you have yeah. Basically if you have more than uh five vowels, that's basically what you have to do, either digraphs or or lots of diacritics and with this many vowels it looks like you kinda need a combination of both sometimes. Yeah. It doesn't have prepositions. They're all verbs, which is, again, in keeping with the standard typology for languages like this. It's also very uh, chinese in a way. Um, I'm going to insist from now on it's very Lao. <laughs> it's very Lao. Sorry. <laughs> I, it's just that I know Chinese, right, and I keep right. bringing it up. Sorry. It is, a South, it is an East Asian aerial feature thing. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, but, I mean... 
we keep comparing this to Chinese, but it's really it's only in certain ways it is. Obviously, the the predictable tone thing is not Chinese. Also, this the fact that it has phonemic stress and it has um, looks like it has poly, some polysyllabic roots or disyllabic roots at least. Yeah, so, I think it uh, seems like more it belongs in the Mon Khmer family. If we were to, I mean, in, in terms of inspiration rather than necessarily Chinese. Yeah, and uh, he did list some influences up on his Niquiki page, which we're going to, and Khmer is one of those Japanese and uh, and Thai and Chinese, which are, but um, it is, I think it's, um, it's definitely sort of an interesting way to build a language that's inspired by those languages, but it's not really fitting in with any one of them. Yeah. Um, although I don't know that much about Khmer, so mm-hmm. I don't know much that much about any of them, but other than Chinese, but uh, I know um, I, I can sort of. Some of the prepositions have examples; some don't. Um, I don't know how long the Nikiki pages existed. Actually, for a long time, I thought there was only the. Mm-hmm. Uh, web page, hmm. or or the the stuff on the forum. La, 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 la. Yeah, he only started the web page in August, so or the wiki page in August. So it looks like he has. I'm just sort of running ahead a little here. Looks like he has um, very pervasive uh, topic comment structures. Yep. So and we- lots and lots of. Sentence final discourse particles. Yay! <laughs> Yay! Uh, uh, you can, there are questions, you just add a particle. Pretty sentence final particle. Standard. Yes, a sentence final particle. Uh, there's lots of, oh, this is interesting. So the different types of clauses in Hamaswa are fairly rigidly differentiated with regard to what arguments are required, optional, or prohibited. There are seven identified types of clauses that differ in their role in the sentence and their use in conjunctions, topics, subjects, verbs, objects, particles. The following tab- table illustrates clauses, clause types briefly, and each type will be outlined in detail below. But so there's a so this interesting uh, I guess I guess would I need to actually read further to see what that really means. But conjunction is disallowed with independent clauses. I need to actually. Yeah, I remember seeing that, that chart and being a little bit confused. Yeah, um, it only just started, so that's fine. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't get all of that. But that's okay. Yeah, I mean, part of it that seems surprising to me is the rigidity of this about. This thing is absolutely required. So a subordinate clause requires a conjunction. That's not surprising. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, he has enough optional fields that this is not okay. It's just that so often in real language, there's all sorts of crap you can drop. Yeah. But yes, as I look at this chart, it doesn't seem as terrifying as it did the first time I looked at it, which has seemed very rigid. But this is still pretty darn flexible, considering how many things have the optional. It says yeah, there's in, lots of... It's, lots uh, of. In the beginning, it says, it's, in many cases, Tamaswa is a pro drop. And it's heavily context dependent, so there is some pro dropping in there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure there is. Okay. Yeah, I don't know, like to what extent languages are real languages ever are more or less context dependent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's possible that that some languages really are, 
I've heard a lot of arguments that that Japanese really is more content text dependent than English. So, really, I mean, all languages are highly, highly, highly context dependent. Yeah, that's the thing. Is you know, there's so much stuff that's outside of like the language itself that you that that you fill in right. interpreting to interpret the meaning. That's that's what pragmatics is about. That's what that's what all that. Um, and we love all that stuff because especially like me, I, I attach all my languages to a uh, con culture. So sure. I have to think of what would they actually even, even, mean, with, even without a con culture. If I mean, it context dependent in the sense of where are you? If I'm sitting in the doctor's office and the doctor says open wide and I go <laughs> open the door. You have misinterpreted. I have failed deeply to understand how language works. <laughs> Or rather, I would have to be completely and utterly ignorant of the context. The point is, even ignoring the question of are you pro-drop or not, there's so much that's context-dependent that I I can't even imagine how you would measure that. Yeah, so... Anyway, um, there's a nice section on derivational stuff, which is neat. And there's reduplication. Yay! Um, Reduplication. Yeah. Reduplication is fun. Um, Whereas... Where is, I need to find the derivational again. It's right above syntax. Okay, because I was going to actually... Oh, and there are discourse particles. Yeah, we already talked about those. Tons of those. Uh, noun-noun compounds, verb-noun compounds. Uh, very nice to break down all the different types of compounding, because uh, so, like... What noun noun? Which one is the head? It's fi- head final. So you have um, extra extra region as a foreign country or whatever, mm-hmm. and you have uh, a group of cultivated fields as a farm. So that's a that's sort of just um, I'm just pointing out random words. There's some nice um, there's some nice merisms. Where wind and sun combine mean weather, and text and writing together mean document. So mm-hmm. those are nice little use of... Merisms? I haven't heard that. Yeah, merism is when you um, sort of... Normally, I think of it used in certain kinds of poetry, where you name something by naming two parts of it. Or two yep, or more. I found the Wikipedia on it. What? I found the Wikipedia on it. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It is there. Ooh. Um, yeah, numerisms are neat. Um, they're an obvious point of uh, coining new vocabulary in various places of the world. Um, I th- yeah, they're they're an option people should think about more. I think. I like that they showed the coordinated clauses. Like it actually, I mean, we we talked about some of the um, what's required for them, but I like that he shows you know this indicates this. Or some of the common coordinated uh, pairings. Yeah, yeah. Ah, okay. So I see the reduplication. It looks like. There's several different uses for it, but it's all just full root reduplication. Yep. That's, that's cool. Um, and there's some zero der- derivation, so. Also common um, in languages like this. Yeah, well, yeah. When you have very little morphology, then you just convert things from one category to another. By waving a magical derivational wand. <laughs> you just convert it. Yes, magic happens. There you go. Derivation fairy comes along and grants you three wishes. <laughs> <laughs> Please, I need another nominalization. It's 
and it, it will, all, all of that kind of sounds better than there is a uh a, there's a zero affix that that you attach to it so. yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. although you know there's reasons people say it that way but uh topics and subjects oh i went through this this is syntax well let's it, this is all very um interesting stuff i think um we're going to link to all the the Himaswa page, the uh, Fukuswa page, and and uh, also to this uh, ZBB uh, forum thread, which, and has, which has some texts. That's where the texts tend to hang out. Yeah, spend a whole lot. Uh, people can spend as much time as they want uh, fiddling through this language. Right. He has uh, the start of a really magnificent dictionary, but I couldn't. I mean, there's a link within the. There are images of what the dictionary looks like within the um, ZBB thread, but I can't wait to see a full version of that at some point. Just oh, yeah. Cool. Does he have a nice, like, uh, way to search it and everything? Probably not. Okay. He had to invent his own writing system, I'm sure. I don't know what, what corner of um, the Unicode map he's grabbed to make this work. Or if he's just oh, dear. Or if he's just importing images, I don't know. Uh Oh, um... How are you going to find things in his dictionary? I wonder if he's going to do to make up a system similar to Kangxi radicals or something. Oh my god, the nightmare of Chinese yeah. dictionaries. That would be that would be quite um that would be quite epic if he did it. But I don't think he needs to just yes. have people search by the phonetic. Or have people, you know, he can develop a handwriting analysis system that does handwriting recognition. Like all you brats today have available on your phones. <laughs> In my day, when we studied Chinese, we had to learn those goddamn radicals. <laughs> That's how I started learning. And we spent hours plowing through that dictionary trying to find the word, counting strokes. <laughs> Always uh. counting strokes. <laughs> I'm not sure how I would uh, count strokes in this language because there's so many curvy... right. Strokes. Right. It's a little hard to tell where one stroke ends. I'm sure if you got used to it, you could you could figure sure. it out. You so. learned how to write it a little bit. But obviously, like I said earlier, he's thought about the stroke components, um, mm-hmm. so he must have a way to count these. Yeah, there's this chart popping up again on ZBB, but I think that's about all we can we uh, really have to say. We I I uh, will confess that I did not really look at this language for very long before I uh, started uh, recording. But it is something that's been on our radar for a long time, and I've sort of sneak peeks at it. Uh, One of the only languages that William approves of the writing system for. Yeah. This says that uh, he began in 1998. Oh, okay. So even one year older than I mentioned earlier. So this is old language that's been working on for a long time even has like uh this uh um historical relationships thing uh ultimately comes from swamparian (laughs) swamparian what the hell is that i have no idea (laughs) uh it's just just uh whatever is in his conlang in fact it's the official language of swamparia okay not many languages can claim that i bet (laughs) no so it would be interesting to know what what con world this is that he's he's putting this in, but um, yeah, uh, very good job on this, uh, and uh, I highly recommend people take a look at the materials. There's not 
you know, too much to overwhelm you. Uh, the great and, thing about languages like this is just, I mean, the grammar is comparatively straightforward. A lot of yeah. the fun complexity is going to be hiding in the dictionary, mm-hmm. I would expect. Yeah. Obviously, no morphology charts are necessary in these sorts of languages. No, not really. Um, and, uh, you know, you can get, uh, you can get all the, uh, wonderful, uh, information on the rating system and stuff as yep. well. So, so highly recommend people check it out. And, um, uh, can we move on to feedback? Sure. Sure. Um, so we got an email from, uh, Joe Schilling. I hope I pronounced that right. He, he did give the IPA, IPA at the end. Schilling. Yes. Uh, and he said, you got it exactly right last time. And I squee every time I listen to that episode. That's, we want um, our audience to squee. <laughs> <laughs> so he says, uh, I'm still loving the podcast. I've got a question for you guys this time. I'm, I was trying to use obviation in my language, Nashtuku. So I ended up going down a rabbit hole of papers trying to grok the entirety of the effects it has on a language. That's wonderful. Uh, I was reading a paper on how it can be used with word order for focus. Uh, and he gives us a uh, link to the paper he looked at. And I realized I now have three options. And he points out uh, a couple different word orders. One is um, it's all with dog being marked obviative. At least the first two have dog and it's, you know, child, obviative, dog, accusative, and then uh, the verb to see. The, f- the second one is obviative, dog, accusative, uh, child, and then to see. So it's these are different ways of saying the child's or the dog, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then the third one it looks like an in, uh, where it's just child and then Dog is incorporated into the verb to see. Mm-hmm. The child dog sees. And yes. he said he was thinking, uh, I was thinking of making the leftmost position the focus position. So the sentence would be, it is the child, the first sentence that I talked about with, with, um, child in front, it would be, it is the child that sees the dog. So child is the focus. Then the second one, the dog is a focus. And then he said that the, he wants the incorporated form to be the most basic. And he said he was wondering if it's too subtle a distinction to make with just word order trickery, or do other languages do this? Um, I don't know. William, you might know better than me about um, languages with obviatives and such, so... I don't... First of all, having focus be toward the left, possibly all the way to the left, um, is pretty darn common, although you might get topic, then focus, and then the rest of the predicate. Um, Yeah. And I don't think that is too subtle. Lots of yeah, that's fine. And then the other, so the point is, you're trying to with focus is you're trying to highlight a particular element, um, and shifting it is one way to do it. Um, the other, the last one, number three, which he's asking about, um, again by noun incorporating the direct object that demotes the um, interest and salience of the incorporated object. So that's another way. I think all of these are legitimate possibilities. You just have to pick the one you want. Um, I think the third is possible. The third is a little bit uh, chunkier um, mm-hmm. in the sense that if you have a complex um, situations you want to contrast, like th- th- thinking about focus, it's useful to think about contrastive focus. 
Yeah. Right. Okay. Dad went to the store. Mom went to soccer practice. So I'm using an intransitive verb there, so that's confusing. But if you have two transitive verbs and you need to do a distinction like this, um, you might have weirdness using noun incorporation where you find yourself incorporating um, indefinites, which would be a little bit weird. That's not impossible, but you might want to think about that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, later he says, um, could perhaps you do a show about obviation? I've been reading about the Algonquin languages, but apparently there are other languages in African Asia that use it as well. An entire show about obviation, maybe? We can add that to the list. Uh, yeah, we could think about that. Um, I think we've covered obviation in other yeah. places. It has come up in other places, but we've never done a show just about obviation and everything that that entails. Yeah, That's I don't know. Do you, we can add yeah. it to the list. Yeah, we could add it. You think you think we could get a whole show out of that? I do. I think so. Okay. Um, he says. Also, I have a suggestion. Uh, since my last suggestion caused. What sounded like a lively debate. <laughs> it would be neat to put out a sound chart and ask people to make a language using those sounds. Then you guys either create one as a show or separately create one. Uh, so you can compare all the madness and wonderful craziness that can be done with just a simple phonology. If you wanted to go completely nuts, leave, leave that. And when you... When you do a practicum, ask people to restrict themselves to those sounds to make a language that wields whatever topic you're talking about. Could be a lot of fun. Uh, uh, so he's basically suggesting we define the, the basic phonemic inventory and tell people to go nuts with it. That might be interesting. Oh, We've not yeah, had it's... a huge amount of uh, participation when we do these. We have some. Um, um, if we did like a workup to make sure we had a bunch of people who were interested in trying it, that might be easier to pull off or more interesting mm-hmm. to pull off rather. I mean, we could obviously do it and say it and then we would get crickets and that would be less interesting. Yeah. Now doing it on the show, I think, um, I don't think it, I don't know how entertaining it would be to have us all arguing about the phonology of a language <laughs> on the show, <laughs> but you know, I think another one would be would be for us or and maybe invite some other people to actually build, you know, little basic, you know, sketches all based on the same phony inventory and then compare them yeah. on a show. Yeah, us arguing is Conlangers inventing a language together, like we'd all get into a fight, we'd never talk to each other again because I wanted nasal codas and George didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it would just it would just be insane. Yeah. Um so it, you know, I think I think making our own and then comparing them might be yeah. better than because I mean, like there would just be a lot of dead air on an episode where we're trying we're to staring into space, thinking of things. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, so anyway, of course, the way that I edit the shows, that dead air would be like nothing, and then you would just get like weirdest possible strings of of Hy- hyperactive conlangers. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, but uh, I think that's all that we uh, George coming up. I know that we said early on that we were going to ep- to ep- to, to uh, celebrate on multiples of fifty-two, but um, considering we've done the short episodes and we've skipped a couple weeks, then I don't know <laughs> right. what we're doing, or even if we're going to do anything special on one hundred. We'll have to see. Okay. Um, so, 
With that, I'm going to go first to William. What are your final words of wisdom? Oh, I didn't think of any wisdom today. (laughs) All right, then, Mike, it's your show. Huh, final words of wisdom. Um, Breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Um, (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, Yes, and um, yeah, that's the wisdom for the day. And um, also, go crazy with languages and see what works and... You'll be surprised at what comes out sometimes, or you'll just have craziness and you'll figure it out. But at least you'll be able to say you tried it. Okay. Before we go, Mike, (laughs) can you do that from now on? Can you just make your final words of wisdom something that has nothing whatsoever to do with conlanging? (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Because that's kind of funny. Uh, And I'm going to say happy conlanging. Thank you for listening to Conlangery. You can find our archives and show notes at conlangery.com. You can send questions, comments, or topic or featured language suggestions to conlangery at gmail.com. To submit a conlang or natlang greeting for the top of the show, see our contribute page for details. Web space for conlangery is provided by the Language Creation Society, and our theme music is by Null Device.